Stay right here. 
this morning, please go with me to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 22 through 25. If it's all right with you guys today, I'd like to preach about Jesus. (laughs) What a subject. 1 Peter 2 and 22 through 25, and once you find your place in the Word of God, as always, we ask you at Millwood Church to please stand for the reading of God's Holy Scriptures. If you have your place, say amen. The Bible says he committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth and when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate and when he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness for by his wounds you have been healed. You were like sheep going astray but now you have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. Let us pray. Oh God, we come before you now in the mighty name of Christ. The only name given to men by which we must be saved. And I emphasize the word must. We must be saved. It's urgent today that we're all saved. That not not one soul will leave this building today unsaved. Lord, you've made me a fisherman of men. And I pray, Lord, that you would put the hook in every jaw in this place who do, do not know you. And draw them to the cross of Christ. Lord, we praise you today for the death and the burial and the resurrection of your only begotten son, Jesus. Father, we ask that you just have your way in this service. Let the anointing fall fresh upon your servant. May he speak the oracles of God clearly. Let the words of his mouth, the meditation of his heart, Be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. Father, I just praise you in the name of Jesus today. Have your way. And God's people said, Amen. 
And amen, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord God Almighty. Peter ends this text telling us that that we were sheep like we've gone astray. But now we have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of our souls. And when I think about the shepherd of my soul, I, I can't help but remember the words of David who said that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pasture. He leadeth me beside still water. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, thou comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemy. Thou anointest my head with oil, and my cup runneth over. And surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The strange thing about this week is that I've always find myself faced every week with the same predicament. What in the world am I going to preach on next? And I thought you guys probably thought that this is such an easy task. Because here you are, been in the Word for years, and you know the Bible you got 66 books to preach from, and surely it's easy. But honestly, I have to say it's probably the most difficult task as a pastor job there is besides funerals and weddings. It's, it's very difficult. And I know deep inside that, that, that God always has a word for his people. But my problem is me. Getting me out of the way so I can hear what God has to say. And I've learned that it's my job to, to confess my sins, to renounce my sins, to get them all behind me so that my heart is open before the Word of God. Because I know there's nothing more important than for the body of Christ to get that little piece of bread from heaven that, that we long for each and every week. My Bible says in Matthew 4 and 4, Jesus said that man does not live by bread alone, but every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Jesus says in Luke 6 and 26, he says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or they reap or store away in barns, and yet... Your heavenly Father feeds them. He says, are you not more much valuable than they? And so the spiritual food of God is always there for us. But I would like to start out by sharing something that I have learned over the years the hard way. Don't you know you learn your best lessons the hard way? Amen. And I learned this the hard way, and it's something that you may not like to hear but it's something that you probably need to hear because this is probably the main reasons that majority of you, including me, 
are not getting our prayers answered the way we ask. We read in the words of Isaiah the prophet, Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. Now keep in mind, this is in my thought process as I'm looking and searching for a word from heaven. Isaiah says, surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor is his ear too dull to hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. He will not listen. And so if I'm struggling to get a word from God, then then this one verse right here reminds me that the problem isn't with God hearing me. The problem is, is that God is not listening to me. In other words, if I have held something in my heart against God or my brethren, don't tell me sometimes you do not get angry with God. Because I've gotten mad at God when you lose certain loved ones and you're praying for them and they just slip away. And you, you, you get mad and you're not mad at God like you don't like him or something, but just don't understand why did you have to let it go. Well, I've learned that God doesn't lose anybody. <laughs> we, we're just temporarily separating. But so I have learned that Unforgiveness is something that I have dealt with many times in the past. Won't let it go. My Bible says that love, listen, keeps no record of wrongs. Oh, hallelujah. And so if I got a little record book in my heart, against one of my brethren, then then I could find myself praying for God for a sermon and the heavens are like still. I'm trying to break through. Oh, but if I can just remember that one thing and say, oh God, I'm sorry that I have held this against my neighbor, my brother, my family member, or whoever it is, and just let it go and give it to God and all of a sudden the heavens are open wide for me to step into the throne room of grace. Even God tells us in Matthew 6, 15, but if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Take note of Solomon 28, Proverbs 28 and 13. This is a new verse for me. I've read it. I've heard it. But now it's alive in my spirit. Proverbs 28 and 13 said, For whoever conceals their sins does not prosper. But the one who confesses and renounces them, they find mercy. Hallelujah. I was thinking to myself that, you know, most people don't realize that God can hear the screams and the cries from the pit of hell. He can hear them hollering out for mercy. But the problem is, is that God is not listening to them. And you say, well, why is that, Pastor? Why would God hear them but not listen to all those souls across the world who 
ignored him on this earth and they're in the pit of hell right now. I was thinking to myself, I got two of my best friends coming up or in hell right now because they did not listen to God. God used me as an instrument to reach out to these individuals. They denied him and now I know without a doubt where they, where they will spend their eternity. And even now, they're probably crying out for help and for mercy. But God is not listening. Zechariah 7, 13 says, when I called, this is God, when I called, they did not listen. So when they called, I would not listen. God says, I will Punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's made a promise here in 2 Thessalonians 1 and 8 that he will punish those who do not know God and those who will not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as long as we are holding some type of iniquity in our heart against somebody, unforgiveness, anger, jealousy, Coveting or pride or whatever internal sin it is, you need to let it go. Because what I'm doing, I'm causing God himself not to respond to my plea. I've cut the phone line with my disobedience. All my Bible says, all we have to do is confess it. First John 1 and 9, if I confess my sins... God is faithful and just to forgive me my sins and purify me from all unrighteousness. One confession. I was thinking about this week. Every time I go out to to water my chickens and my goats, all it takes is one crimp in that water hose. One little crimp and all of a sudden the source has stopped. I got to go all the way back looking through the tall grass for the crimp. And in the same way, I'm wondering today how many of us have crimped off the flow of water into our life because of one little sin that we're holding against somebody. Are y'all listening to me this morning? But last week... We had a great message talking about the signs of Christ was coming. Well, let me share these verses right here, first of all, before I get to that. Colossians 3 and 13, Paul says, Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievance you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord God forgave you. Ephesians 4, 30 through 32, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption and get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, and brawling and slander along with every form of malice, but be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving just as in Christ God forgave you. Back to what I was saying. Last week we... We, we talked about all the signs of the Christ is coming back again. And, and so Monday, I'm always thinking about the sermon prior. What did God say to us last week? And how am I going to tie it into this week? And while thinking about that sermon particular, about how God gave us all these signs to be looking for, and then I read our text today. 
And I put the two together and I said, you know what? This is the perfect message for the end times. A message of a man hanging on a tree for the sins of the world. Because if the world needs to see a picture today, they need to see the beauty of God himself coming to this earth as a man and dying for the sins of the world. That's what the world needs. Today, today's message is entitled, The Man That Hung on the Tree. I want you to turn to your neighbor this morning and say, Neighbor, did you know that only God could save us from God? I can stop right there. Only God could save us from God. But the only way he could do that is becoming one of us. Hallelujah. And I'm so glad he did. In fact, Paul says in Romans 5 and 1, Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 1, 19 and 20. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things in heaven and earth, by making peace through his bloodshed on the cross. Jesus tells us in John 12, 32 and 33. He says, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto myself. And he said this to show the kind of death he would die. Now when I say the man hanging on the tree, please do not understand. I'm not trying to disrespect the king of kings. When I say the man hanging on the tree, I'm trying not to show you the God side of Christ. But I'm trying to highlight the part of Jesus that, that represents you and I. The humanity of Christ. Because when you see he was 100% man, but he was a man without sin, it, it helps us to, to relate to him in, in, in a way that, that we cannot relate to God himself. Because God is spirit and he that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. But you and I are, are human beings. We are natural creatures that has a spirit, of course. But when we think of Jesus, we understand that he was a man like us. And he, understand, he understands the suffering and the temptations and the trials and the tribulations that you and I are going through on a weekly basis. Are you with me this morning? Hebrews 4.14 tells us, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one. Everybody said we have one. We have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet was without sin. Everybody says without sin. And notice that's exactly how 
Our text begins this morning with four powerful words that you and I can hardly grasp because they remind of, they remind us of the impossibility of living a perfect life. Our text begins by saying, He committed no sin. I can't imagine making one week without no sin. I can't imagine making hardly a day without a sin. And I surely can't grasp a entire life, 33 years without a single sin. Because when I think about me and I think about you, I think of the words of Isaiah the prophet who says in Isaiah 64 and 6 that all of us, everybody said all of us, all of us, have become like one who is unclean and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf and like the wind. Our sins, they sweep us away. We all know the words of Paul in Romans 3 and 23 and 24. For all have sinned and fall short to the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so Paul is telling us that redemption is available. Redemption from the penalty of sin is available. And it is free to every single soul today living on this earth. But here's what we have to understand. I'm going to let Hot Rod go by. Appreciate that, brother. Hallelujah. What we have to understand today is there is no redemption for those who have already fallen asleep, who have already died. If they did not receive redemption while they were alive on this earth, there is no second chance. There is no place, regardless of what the Catholic Church teaches, There is no place, because it's not biblical, not from A to Z, there is no place called purgatory. If you do not accept the gift of God while you're here, I can promise you, you will spend eternity in the lake of fire, where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Our text says in verse 22 and 23 that there was no no deceit found in his mouth. And when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. Now, my Bible teaches me in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, we know this. Paul says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. But when I read the words, when they hurled their insults at him and he did not retaliate, this was a task that took me many years to accomplish. Because for years and years, I I had a very short fuse. You know, those firecrackers you buy. And even though you know the fuse is only this long, but but we always seem to want to light them. Come on, amen. Amen. I'm the only young boy in the room. That's why we got our hands hurt. 
couldn't get it out fast enough. Then we learned to set it down and light it. But, but I was like the firecracker with the short fuse before I got saved. And even after I got saved, I still had problems. I remember Kristen was, went to the doctor and she just had a surgery. And someone drove around me the wrong way. All he did is come around me. And I chased that boy across Garland, Texas, ready to open up a can of happiness. But, but, but the problem is, is that it, it takes a while for us, you and I, because we're in this sinful nature. We were born again, and we had this supernatural power in us, but we don't know how to tap into it. And so we have to get into the Word of God and learn the Word of God and begin to follow the pattern of Christ. And the verse that helped me the most was the book of James 1, 19 and 20. If you've got a temper problem, this is a good one to start. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Now, first I had to memorize that word. And then I had to believe that word. And then I had to begin to understand that I'm a child of God, so that is my blueprint. That is what I'm called to do. And so I had to learn to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And so now you can drive by me fast. You can show me the middle part of your hand. Come on, amen. And whatever you want. And and I still can keep myself together somewhat. Come on, don't put the Lord to the test. (laughs) Because I'm still learning. (laughs) But another part I learned that helped me with my anger issues is what Paul said in Ephesians 6 and 12. King James, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And so a majority of the people who come against us is not really their fault. It's the evil spirit working through them trying to provoke us to anger. Because what we learn that anger does not please the Father for us to walk in his, in anger while we're here on this earth. But our text said that when he suffered, he made no threats. I don't know how many times you did it, but over the years, many times when I would get in trouble at school, I would always look across the room at that other boy and say, I'm going to get back at you. Come on. Yours is coming. Come on, amen. Jesus didn't say yours is coming. (laughs) But he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That'd be some good words to learn today. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Because most of the times people say things and do things and not really knowing what they're saying until later. But Jesus tells us just the opposite. Luke 6, 27, 28, he said, But I tell you who hear me, love your enemies. 
Do good to those who hurt you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who mistreat you. Help us, Jesus. Paul says in Romans 12 and 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Oh, but I'm talking about a man hanging on the tree. And what we have to understand about this man who is hanging on the tree, we have to realize that this man had all authority and all power on this earth. And all he had to say is one word, and he would have had a legion of angels coming down to rescue him. When I say a legion, we're talking about 10,000 angels. Now, you may not can grasp it, and I can hardly grasp it. I'm thinking that, that if one angel can, can kill 60,000 men at one swing of his arm in the Old Testament, well, what can 10,000 angels do on this earth? And Jesus had, he had the phone number. All he had to do is call it. And they would have came down and rescued him, but you and I would not have had the privilege of redemption. And so we read in Romans 12, 19. Our text said instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. When we get angry, when we get mad, who are we entrusting ourselves to? Romans 12, 19, Paul says, Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, and I will repay. Do y'all know the battle is whose? The battle is the Lord's. 2 Thessalonians 1, 6-9, God is just. He will pay back trouble for those who trouble you. And he'll give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in a blazing fire with his powerful angels. And he will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the majesty in the majesty of his power. We're not called to retaliate, but we're called to trust. We're called to believe that that God will revenge us. If someone has wrongfully, ungodly came against you and you turn that over to God, that battle, I can promise you, you may not see it in a week or two weeks, maybe a month or a year, but eventually... You're going to see it fall. And you're going to see whoever it was, they're going to be squirming. Because God's going to bring them to the place of repentance. Are you with me this morning? Verse 24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. One of the greatest things of eternal salvation is It's the moment you come to that altar. You hit a knee. You confess your sins. And all of a sudden you stand up. You're 
You're down here with all of this heaviness. All the weight of the world is on your shoulders. You confess that sin before God. Tears are falling. You get up. You turn. And all of a sudden, something happens. You feel a lightness upon you. All that weight has been taken off of your shoulders. Like, I can breathe now. And, 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 and that's the problem with us. We're trying to hold all this sin. But the text is teaching us that Jesus took upon himself the sins of the world. Now, I know how heavy my sins can be. And I'm sure you understand how heavy your sins have been. But can you imagine begin to take every sin of the world upon your shoulders today? And here we have the man on the tree. Not taking it as a God, but taking it as a man. And here's a man suffering so bad in the Garden of Gethsemane. All the weight of the world is beginning to fall upon him. And he cries out to the Father for help. Abba. Abba. Father. He said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet, not what I will, but what you will. And then we find him on the cross. And Jesus cries out these words that that we forget. but, But he says it. My God, my my God, why have you forsaken me? Well, we have to go back to the beginning. The moment that Jesus began to take all the sins of the world, God could hear him, but God wasn't. God could hear him, but God wasn't listening because here he has all your sins on him. He's taken my sins, Brian's sins. All our sins are upon him. My God, why have you forsaken me? God is not listening to him at this point because he has received everything, all the penalty upon him so that you and I could have full access into the holy of holies, into the presence of an almighty God. He became the lamb without sin. And he was punished for you and I, brutally punished until death. And he was buried like a man. But he was raised in power. He was sown in weakness. He was raised in power. He was sown a natural body. He was raised a supernatural body. For if there is a natural body, there is a supernatural body. All the things that Christ did on the tree was because you and I could not afford it. But Paul tells us, I mean Peter tells us, so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. If you, if you want to memorize a verse of Scripture, memorize Galatians 2, 20. 
I am crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. In the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Memorize that. Because it's a reminder of you and I that we're not called to live, but we're called to die. Die to the things that separate us from the Father. In other words, it's not God's desire for us to live in a simple way where he has to shut his ears to our cry. He wants us to confess those sins. He knows we're going to fall short. He tells us. But all he wants to do is to keep that communication open. He wants to keep the crimp out of the water line. But but we just keep on crimping it and we're wondering, why am I not getting the flow from heaven? Why is it that I don't seem to have the power? Well, you look back and you got three crimps. Take them out. Confess them before God. Get them off of your shoulders because they're heavy. And give them back to the cross. Our Bible tells us in Luke 16 and 13 that no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one or love the other or you'll be devoted to the one or you'll despise the other. You can't serve two masters. So the reality is there's only one, there's only room in your heart for one life and that's God. You can't have two gods in your heart. Only one. Listen to the words of Joshua. Speaking to the people of Israel. Joshua 24, 14 through 15. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your ancestors. Worship beyond the Euphrates River in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your ancestors serve beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are now living. He says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The key to the New Testament is this, Philippians 1 and 21. Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I have to ask myself constantly on a weekly basis, who am I living for? What do I live for? What is it that consumes your every thought? Weekly, is it God? If you compare the things that you spend your money on compared to the things you give unto God, does it even compare? If you put it on a scale. I got to thinking about my stuff. Y'all got some stuff? I'm I'm not talking about Christmas stuff. That girl got some stuff. I got stuff. (laughs) But but I got to think about the things I like. 
I like drums. I got three sets. <laughs> Come on, I can only play one at a time, but I got three sets. But I like survival gear. And I got a whole wall in my closet dedicated to survival. I can live forever <laughs> in the woods. But then I got to comparing my, my things to my God. If I took all my drums, all my music gear, all my backpacks, survival knives, flashlights, and all that stuff, and, 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 and all the value of that, and I compare it to what I have given to the Lord over the years, it doesn't even compare, it doesn't even scratch the surface. A man said many years ago, he said these words. He said, a person can tell who they really love by just looking at their checking book. We don't use checking books no more hardly, do we? Some people do, old-fashioned. I probably would if I still did it. Kristen does it. But, but he said if you could compare what you spend your money on, it'll tell you where your heart is. And did you know most people in America spend more money on their dogs than they do on their God? I mean, all I have to do is compare the vet bills, the shots, the food, the squeakies. Come on, amen. We spend more money on that than when the plate comes by, we're like, come on, I got the feet, choo-choo. Come on, amen. Now, I'm not going to stand before choo-choo and I will give an account for every deed. And I want to stand before God with my head up saying, Lord, I did the very best that I could with what I had. I don't want to be shamed because I want to remember the man on the tree who did what? Who gave everything he had. We were poor, he was rich. He became poor so that we could become rich. Did you hear that? He was rich, became poor. We were poor, now we became rich because of him. And all we have to do is just remember the simple truth. He became one of us so that we can be free from the chains of sin, the chains of sickness, all these things that we can be bound by. We can be free by one word, faith. Trust. Believe. They all mean basically the same thing when you all round it out. I believe, I trust, I have faith. And what he did. I wish I could go back in time. And go back to those times when I, I lost my friends. Those two specific. Tony and Mike. Two of my best friends. There's nothing worse than knowing two of your best friends are in hell. And, and I, my wife say, oh, you, you shared with them. And, and I know that helps me a little. 
But deep inside, I'm thinking, I didn't do all I could do. If I was smart, I'd just tied them up to my fence post and preach till I passed out. I should have done more. But because I was content with what I did, all I did, all I could do. That ain't enough. I can't quit when they say no. I have to continue to press on because think about how many times you said no to God. But what did he do? He kept on loving you and loving you and reaching out to you, knocking at your door until you finally said, I surrender. That's what we had to get. We had to get that pit bulldog mentality. Like I'm not going to quit until every soul in my house is saved. Every soul in my neighborhood is saved. Every soul in the church is saved. If I knew some somebody was lost today, you ain't going to leave this church. I'll lock the doors. I got the key. Remember, I can get rusty. <laughs> I'll get in my stance. I can do either one. I learned Taekwondo too. <laughs> I don't want you to leave if, you, if you're lost. Because if you leave and you're lost, I have to deal with that for the rest of my life, thinking, man, I didn't do all I could do. I thank God that my friend Conley Shepherd right now is saved. Even if God takes him away, I can sleep because I know he's right. But it's those people. Let's all stand. Here's what I want to do. I want you to close your eyes right now. And I want you to think specifically about that individual you know. Someone else may not know them, but you know them. They're lost. They're rejecting God. But right now, I want you to visualize. I want you to see that person in your mind. And let's begin to pray for that person. We're all praying for different people right now. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, reach into that heart right now and begin to soften it. Lord, give that individual hunger for spiritual righteousness. Lord, help them to see the truth. Open their ears to hear the word drawn by your loving compassion. Father, take them by the hand in the spirit realm and lead them to the cross. Lord, help me to be the individual that brings them home into your mighty kingdom. Father, we love you and we praise you today. And go with your people in Jesus' name. And God's people said amen and amen.